Welcome to Catholic Conversations. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and I am back. So, <laughs> long time no see. I uploaded the last one without an introduction, uh, but yes, I'm back, and uh, I am trying to slowly phase back in my podcast, but it's, uh, it's a lot of work to get this done, and uh, now I'm working full-time, and uh, maybe after I upload these uh, meditations on the four last things, then I will come back and answer questions about um, where I've been, uh, my experience with in the novitiate for the Dominican friars, uh, why I left, that kind of thing. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And um, also because uh, when I left, everything was a little bit different. When I came back, um, I have to talk about that later. I don't have my music anymore. The music I used from my friend Frater Garion, the chant that I had used in the previously, is gone. I have no idea where it is. But uh, so I'm gonna have to figure out what I'm gonna do for music and that spot instead. And so for right now, there's gonna be nothing. Anyway, let me uh, before without talking your ear off for another ten minutes. Let me uh, just throw you into the meditation on on judgment. Uh, the and uh, the first couple minutes of it is uh, bad audio. I forgot to plug in my mic whenever I recorded this first, but uh, the ones later on, the rest of them sound great. The mic gets back, but it's perfectly under, uh, intelligible. So, uh, And I think it's a great content uh, talking about the, the, the four last things, especially judgment. This are something that we have to focus on, we have to meditate on. So I highly recommend uh, listening and um, thank you very much. God bless you. God love you. And I will talk to y'all later about uh, my experiences. Um, and oh yeah, and I'm not going to put an outro, so feel free to email me at fonsecaproduction at gmail.com for any questions, comments, or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, or anything in between. Anyway, with that, I'll throw you into the uh, meditation. Welcome to the first day of the second week on our meditation on the four last things. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, the general judgment. So yesterday, if you go back and uh, look at that, we talked about the particular judgment. So at the moment of your death, you will be judged. And at that moment, you will, and God will decide whether or not you go to heaven or you go to hell. Uh, now today, we're talking about the general judgment. So at the end of time, our Lord will come again. Uh, and that's whenever the entire world will be judged. And then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Um, that's what we're talking about today. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of the dead. And so that's very important as well. But for today, it's going to be a shorter episode. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading because Father Von Kocham talks about the signs of the of the second judgment, of the uh, last judgment. And he talks about what that will look like, look like uh, what will it look like to be uh, for the end of the world to happen. Uh, so these are all his thoughts. And so honestly, I haven't given much thought to these kind of things. Um, so I'll be mostly taking directly from him. Um, and he takes his stuff mostly from scripture and from the church fathers and saints. So that's where he gets his information from. Uh, so I'll be reading mostly from what he has to say about it. And I might make comments throughout it, but it should be a shorter episode. All right. To start off, he says, of these signs, so the, the topic is on the signs that shall precede the last judgment. Of these signs, he himself says, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. Men withering away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the whole world. For there shall be then great tribulation, such as hath not been from the beginning of the world until now. Neither shall be. And unless those days had been shortened, no flesh should be saved. 
What an awful announcement. What a terrible prophecy. When God was about to destroy the city of Jerusalem, he announced his downfall by several signs. A comet resembling a fiery sword blazed over the city, and hosts of armed warriors were seen contending in the air. Jerusalem might at the last moment have interpreted aright these signs and done penance unto salvation. But Jerusalem knew not the time of its visitation. If God caused such wondrous signs to appear before the destruction of one single city, will he not announce the approaching end of the world and the chastisement that are to come upon it by awful and terrific signs? There is therefore every reason to believe that a considerable time before the last day, fearful signs will appear in all lands in the heavens. The force of the wind will carry the inhabitants of the earth off their feet and whirl them aloft in the air. Trees will be uprooted, houses unroofed, long pearls of thunder will resound in the heavens. The flashes of lightning like serpents of fire will light up the sky, and with their forked tongues playing about the dwelling of mankind will kindle a general conflagration amid the crash of thunder. The waters of the ocean will be so agitated, and their waves will rise mountain high, towering almost to the clouds. The roaring and raging of the storm-swept billows will last for some time. All the beasts of the earth will lift up their voice, and their dismal howls will fill the air, so that the hearts of men will stand still for terror. Yet this is but the beginning of sorrow. Our Lord tells us what will next occur. He describes in these words, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be moved. The darkening of the sun will take place in the full light of midday, and as its golden rays enlightening the face of nature, rejoice both man and beast. So the sudden withdrawal of its light will cause sorrow and distress to the whole of creation, and this all the more because the moon will cease to shine and her gentle, peaceful light will no longer illuminate the shades of night. All the stars also which, bes which bespangle the firmament and cast a glimmering on the earth will disappear from their accustomed place. This awful darkness will strike such alarm and anguish to the heart of all living creatures, both men and brutes, that the mourning and lamentation will be universal with the wail of distress ascending from the dwellers upon earth, and the howls of the evil spirit in the air will mingle in hideous concert, for they will proceed from these signs that the day of judgment is at hand. They know that they will soon have to appear before the righteous tribunal of God. They know that they will be cast down to hell for all eternity. Hence their fury, their rage, their frantic raving. This is what Christ man, means when he says, the powers of heaven shall be moved and the stars shall fall from heaven. Christ himself tells us this will be so. Upon earth will be distress of nations by reason of the confusion of the roaring of the sea and of the waves, men withering away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the whole world. And in another place he says, there shall be then great tribulation, such as hath not been from the beginning of the world until now, neither shall be. And unless those days have been shortened, no flesh should be saved. When this lamentation has lasted for a time, the God of justice will put an end to their misery, and all that is beneath the firmament of heaven shall be destroyed by fire. 
for fire will fall down upon from heaven and ignite everything with which it comes in contact. In many places also, flames will spring out from of the ground and terrify unhappy mortals to such an extent that they will not know how to escape from them. Some will seek shelter in cellars and caverns. And caverns. Others will immerse themselves in rivers and lakes. The devouring flames will spread so fast that the forest will be set on fire and the towns and villages will be included in the destruction. At length, the whole world, the whole earth will be on fire and a general conflagration will ensue, such as never has been seen or heard of. The heat of the raging flames will be so intense that the stones and rocks will melt and the sea and all waters upon the earth will boil and hiss. All men then living Every beast upon the land and every fish in the sea will be destroyed in this universal conflagration. This, the whole world, will be brought to a terrible end, and everything on this earth will be either consumed or purified by the fire. After this has happened, the appearance of the earth will be completely changed. Now, if you want to read the rest of that, uh, the whole entirety of the meditation, you have to go pick up the book, The Four Last Things by Father Von Kochem. And... Um, I just cut it out and got the main points here. Uh, but this is a terrifying uh, meditation on the last judgment. And uh, the good news is that most of us will probably not live to see the last judgment. But uh, this is a reality that we have in the Catholic Church that we believe in the last judgment and not just the Catholic Church, but all Christians. And this is why all Christians should come home to the Catholic Church, because outside of the church, there is no salvation. Uh, so you do need to be in the ark. Uh, just like in Noah's day, whenever the waters came and the floods right, rised, all were wiped out except those in the ark uh, of Noah. And so too, today, the, you need to be in the bark of Peter, which is the Catholic Church. Uh, so when the fires rain down from heaven, only the ark of the Catholic Church will be your salvation. So uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about the resurrection of the dead. So the resurrection of the dead is very important because that applies to all people. So that'll be more relevant to everyone, whereas this will be more relevant to the people who live in the end times. Do we live? Are we living in the end times? Honestly, in my opinion, I don't think we are living in the end times. I could be wrong. I'm not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet. But um, it could be we could be living in the end times. I personally don't think so. Uh, but that is just my opinion. Um, and so. The uh, So that will conclude our video for today, and I'll end in prayer as always. Uh, feel free to let me know if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, or positivities, or anything in between. Um, and this video will be the full-length video everywhere you see it, but if uh, for most of our videos, they go over 10 minutes. And so on Instagram, you can only have 10 minutes or less, uh, so that's where those are shorter. If you go to Facebook at Catholic Dry Time Show, uh, the Facebook page, there is a full-length video. Also on my YouTube channel, Adrian Fonseca, uh, you will also find the full-length videos of all the episodes. And we'll conclude in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. O oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins and save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So today we are going to be talking about the resurrection of the dead. Now, this is a pretty um, large topic, and uh, so I decided to kind of do it a little bit differently today. So I'm going to list a couple bullet points that are basically the main ideas. And those um, 
will basically be the reason why I'm doing that is because in Instagram, I only get 10 minutes. And so I'm posting uh, only going to be the first 10 minutes of this episode on Instagram. The rest will be on YouTube and Facebook. Um, and then, of course, I'll add the prayer. I'll cut it off and then add it to the end of the Instagram one. So uh, that'll be there. So I'm going to list the bullet points. And then I'm just going to read to you from Father Von Kochem's meditation on the resurrection. Um I give a shorter version of it. I clip out things that are, um, that are, I, well, I, all of it is really good. So it's really difficult for me to choose what to include, what not to include. I highly recommend going and actually just getting, uh, his book and reading it. Uh, it's excellent. It's excellent. Okay. So on the resurrection of the dead, the first point is, uh, the resurrection of the dead will be for all people, both the just and the unjust alike. It's kind of funny because I literally just today someone had asked me, oh, is the resurrection of the dead going to be uh, for the just and the unjust or just the just? Uh, no, the, both the reprobate and the just will both be have both be experiencing the resurrection of the dead. So that's a very important point to make and to remember. Uh, number two, the trumpet blast from the angels signaling the resurrection of the dead will be terrifying. Even the just will tremble uh, from the uh, trumpet blast of the uh, signal of the resurrection of the dead. So that's very important. It's also important because yesterday I talked about uh, the, um, the, last, the, uh, the last days of the, uh, the second coming. And so that's what I talked about yesterday, which not everybody will experience that. So more than likely you and I will not experience the uh, second coming, but every single person you and I will all experience the resurrection of the dead. Now, number three, the blessed will receive their bodies first, then the just, and then the reprobate. Now, this is important because um, I included it here because I think it's important to note that there is a hierarchy in uh, in the spiritual world. Uh, so we kind of have this idea that everybody must be equal and that all people are equal. Everybody's the same. That's simply not true. Um, we do are we all equal in so far as we're all made in the image likeness of God. Other than that we all vary in different things. We have various different talents and things like that. Um, so we're all very different. The blessed will receive their bodies first because uh, they are and they, they are closer to God. So Mother Teresa, St. Teresa Lisieux, St. Teresa of Avila, all the great saints will all receive their bodies before we do. Um, God willing, if we, uh, well, either way, they're going to receive it before we do. But um, whether, and then the just will receive it. So all the rest of the people in heaven will receive their bodies. And then the unjust, the reprobate, will receive their bodies uh, in that order. So there is a hierarchy in heaven uh, and in hell. Um, number four, when the bodies of the just reunite with the soul, they will be overjoyed. So when the bodies of the just are reunited with the with their souls, when they come back together, the soul will proclaim and be overjoyed and be happy and will proclaim to the body, uh, displaying their happiness. Now the, uh, and then the soul and the body will, uh, the soul will be like, thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for being holy, for, uh, denying yourself, for taking on sacrifices throughout your life. And then the body will respond to the soul. Well, thank you for driving me. Thank you for uh, directing me to do what I wanted to do because the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, but the, but number five, when the bodies of the unjust reunite, reunite with their souls, they will be disgusted and hateful. Uh, see, whenever we are have our resurrected bodies, the just will have glorified bodies like the heavenly body of our Lord after the, his resurrection. Um, but the bodies of the unjust will more will more will seem more as 
devils than they do human. They will be disgusting and ugly. Um, and they will be, they will hate one another. The soul and the body will hate one another. They will, the body will blame the soul for not uh, having a strong enough will to drive the body while the soul will blame the body for being weak and falling into sin they will hate one another and they will they will fight one another that's that's that will be the state of um, the body and the soul to uh, whenever they meet together for the unjust now the last point uh, you will rise where you were buried now the reason why I bring up this point is because there's a common uh, practice nowadays of people scattering their ashes at different places, taking them on cruises, dumping them in water. Now, our Lord will resurrect you no matter where you are in the world. Um, God is infinite. He's omnipotent. He can resurrect you uh, no matter how much you were spread around, whether you were turned into ash or buried in the ground. He will be able to resurrect you and you will be resurrected. There's nothing you can do to stop that. But you will be resurrected where you were buried. Now, if you're scattered everywhere... Um, I have no idea how that works. I suppose you will be resurrected back to the point where you were scattered. I don't know. So if you're scattered across the ocean, you'll be resurrected in the middle of the ocean, and which is why it's so good to be buried with your family and buried in a Catholic cemetery. You want that uh, to be buried with your family. So at the day of the resurrection, you'll be reunited with your family on that day. Um, Y'all will all rise together. It's very important. We want to recognize that the body is good. At the we the Catholic Church, uh, we don't say that you shouldn't uh, cremate yourself and that you should uh, be buried in Catholic cemeteries out of out of hatefulness. There's a good reason for it, and that's the reason. Uh, now, those were all the points that I wanted to make. Uh, now I will begin the meditation from Father von Kochem. Um, and at this point, if you're watching on Instagram, you will just be hearing the prayers uh, and then the last uh, paragraph of the meditation. Uh, for everyone else, here's the meditation from Father Von Kochem. The reader will perhaps not take what has been said in the preceding chapter much to heart, because he cherishes the hope that he will not be alive during that awful period. But what we are now about to speak of concerns everyone, whoever he may be. St. Paul says, We shall indeed all rise again, but we shall not be all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall rise again, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. God will send down his angel to the earth to blow their trumpet. Its, a, its powerful voice will awaken the dead, calling, them, calling on them, Arise, you dead, and come to judgment. Arise, ye dead, and come to judgment. Arise, ye dead, and come to judgment. Loud, continuous, and most solemn will be the blast of that trumpet. How terrified all the evil spirits and the souls of the lost will be when they hear this call. They will howl and mourn, for that fatal hour has come at last, the hour they have looked forward to so long. And with such unutterable dread, there will be such a commotion in hell, such raving and raging and fury, that one might imagine the devils were all tearing one another to pieces. Alas, alas, they will shriek in their despair. How can we possibly stand before the countenance of our angry judge? How can we possibly endure the shame, the agony that will be our portion? Could we only remain here? How gladly we would do so. Great as are the torments we have now to endure, but vain are all their wishes, futile are all their struggles. The trumpet's blast will echo throughout the world. 
Now do not pause to ask how this can be, for we know that it will be so on the irrefragable authority of God's omnipotence and his word which cannot deceive. Now this is important. I'm going to pause and come to back to this. this. Is important. He recognizes so like people always accuse the church of being anti-science and all this stuff. He recognizes that the things that he's talking about are magnificent. They're miraculous. They're not normal. They're, he's not speaking about these things as if, oh yeah, obviously this happens. He's saying that the, this is an act of faith that this will happen. Uh, he's saying, don't think about it too much because it doesn't make sense. This isn't something that you can uh, scientifically prove. It's something that is a is a uh, statement of faith that the church has stayed said, and therefore we believe for the church was instituted by Jesus Christ, who was God. And because he was God, we can trust his word. We can trust what he had to say because he resurrected from the dead. Um, and because we believe in that, we can believe his church. And we can believe that this, uh, that that the, what the church teaches about the resurrection of the dead is true. So he even, he says here, he recognizes this. And he says, do not pause to ask how this can be. For we know that it will be so on the irrefutable authority of God's omnipotence in his word, which cannot be deceived. Um, now I'll go on further. Um, however long ago the body of a man may have crumbled into dust, whatever changes it may have passed through, every portion and every particle will unite to form again the same body which was his during his lifetime. And the sea gave up the dead and that were in it, and the death and hell gave up their dead that were in them. Even if thou wert pious and shouldest end thy days in the grace of God, yet according to the testimony of Holy Scripture and of the Catholic Church, fear and trembling will lay hold upon thee. And if good and just men are afraid, what will be the fear that thou, poor sinner, wilt feel when the trumpet calls thee to judgment? Wherefore, amend thy ways and make thy peace now with thy strict judge by works of penance while there is yet time. Now, in order that thou mayest prepare thyself for that terrible hour of resurrection, we will describe first the resurrection of the good and then that of the reprobate. Awakened by the solemn sound of the trumpet, all the souls of the just will come down from heaven and accompanied by their guardian angel, betake themselves to the spot where their remains were interred. Their graves will be opened and in them the bodies will be seen lying incorrupt, but yet lifeless." The body of every good man will rest in their grave as if he were asleep. It will be blooming as a rose, frag uh, fragrant as a lily, shining as a star, fair as an angel, and perfect in every member. What will a soul say when she beholds the body appertaining to her lying before her in such beauty? She will say, she will say Hell, blessed and beloved body, how I rejoice once more to rejoin thee. How lovely thou art, how glorious, how pleasing, how fragrant. Come to me that I may be wedded to thee for all eternity. Then through the power of God, the body will be reunited to the soul. And in that same instant, return to life. Then the holy guardian angels will congratulate these blessed beings and exalt with them over their joyous resurrection. In all cemeteries, the places where many persons are buried, the blessed will rise first with resplendent glorified bodies, that they will take the precedence over the others, may be gathered from Christ's words when he says, Wonder not at this, for the hour cometh, wherein all that are in the grave shall hear the voice of the Son of God, 
and they that have done good things shall come forth to the resurrection of their life, but they that have done evil unto the resurrection of judgment. The resurrection of the wicked will follow immediately upon that of the just, but oh, how different will it be. In every burying ground, all the lost souls will assemble whose bodies have been interred there, and they will be compelled again to assume them and reunite themselves to them. But what will be the reluctance and the disgust wherewith they will do this? When the soul sees her own body, she will shrink back from it with the utmost re repulsion. So hideous will it be that she will feel that she had rather go straight to hell than again unite herself to it. For the bodies of the reprobate will resemble devils more than men. So frightful, so loathsome, so offensive they will be. Yet however the soul resists and opposes the reunion with her body, now so hideous, she must submit to it, for God compels her to it. Who can depict the despair that takes possession of the body when reanimated by the return of the soul? It awakens to a consciousness that is lost forever. With a shriek of rage, it will exclaim, Woe is me! Woe is me to all eternity! Better were it for me a thousand times never to have been born than to have come to the resurrection of misery. Then the soul will rejoin, then the soul will rejoin, Thou accursed body, I have already for several hundred years had to endure the torments of hell, and now I must return with thee to the everlasting burning. Thou art to blame for all this misfortune. I, give, I gave thee good counsels, but thou wouldst not follow them. Therefore thou art forever lost. Alas for me, unhappy soul that I am. Alas for me, now and forevermore. Thou hast been the means of bringing to this endless misery. Therefore I, I execrate the hour in which I first came to dwell with thee. And then the body will answer the soul after this manner. O oh, accursed soul, what right hast thou to anathematize me when thou art thyself the cause of all this wretchedness? Thou shouldest have ruled me more firmly and held me back from evil. For it was with this object that God united thee to me. Instead of associating thyself with me in works of penance, thou didst revel with me in sinful pleasures. It is for me, therefore, to curse thee to all eternity, because thou art the one who has brought us both to everlasting perdition. Thus soul and body will mutually anathematize each other. And now, reader, endeavor to imagine the shame and confusion that will weigh those poor creatures to the ground when they first see each other again. Husband and wife will meet, brothers and sisters, parents and children, friends and acquaintances, those who have lived in the same town or the same village and have known each other from childhood. Their shame will be so overwhelming that they would prefer to endure any physical torture than be exposed to it. And their bodies will be so hideously ugly, so disgusting in appearance, that they will shudder at the sight of one another. Who can describe the mourning and lamentation that will prevail amongst those hapless creatures? Their misery is indeed unutterable. Bethink thyself, whoever thou art, who readest or hearest this. What awful despair would seize upon thee if thou wert amongst the number of those lost souls? In what piteous tones thou wouldst bewail with them thy ha hapless fate? Alas, what have we done? Woe to us, most miserable ones! 
would that we have never been born. Cursed be thou, my wife, who didst provoke me to sin. Cursed be you, my children, who are the cause of my damnation. Cursed be you, my friends and acquaintances, for you were the occasion of this calamity that have come upon me. Cursed forever be all those who have been partners of my life and partners of my sin. Think over this, O sinner, and let your hard heart be softened. Whenever you pass by the cemetery of the place in which you live, remember that perchance thou mayest ere long be laid there to rest in the grave until the general resurrection. Wherefore, make such good use of the brief period of life, that thou mayest be numbered among the just, and arise with them to everlasting felicity, and know with the reprobate to the everlasting torments. Now pray often this prayer in thy heart. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O most compassionate Lord Jesus, I implore thee for the sake of thy bitter passion and death, and through the last judgment at which thou wilt be the judge of the whole world, Grant me the grace to live in such a manner that at the resurrection I may arise with joy and not with shame. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So today I'm going to be talking about the uh, manner in which the good and the wicked will be conducted to the place of judgment and how all men will await Christ's coming at the veil of Jehoshaphat. Now, people said that they like the bullet points, so I'm going to do the bullet points again today. Um, and then I'll be reading through the meditation for, by Father Von Kochem. Uh, and I'm going to go a little fast today, and this is going to come out a little late, but shouldn't be a big deal. Anyway, here we go. Number one, the final judgment will be held in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, this is important because uh, the Valley of Jehoshaphat is in the neighborhood of where the entirety of the Passion of our Lord happened. And so it's fitting that this happens. And if you listen to the meditation of Father Von Kochem, he gives evidence from Scripture of why he believes that this is where uh, the second coming and the judgment will be happening. Uh, number two, the good and the evil are found together in the graveyards. Now, this is important as well because we remember that's the uh, parable of the wheat and the tares. And so in the parable of the wheat and the tares, we recognize that the uh, that the good and the bad alike will be together and will be living together until the second coming, in which case they will be separated and the good will go into heaven and the, and the evil into hell. Uh, number three, the saints will be escorted by their guardian angels to the place of the last judgment. So it talks about the joy of the resurrection of the dead and the bodies uh, being reunited with the souls and the guardian angels will escort them to the Valley of Jehoshaphat to be uh, judged at the second coming of the, the final judgment, uh, the general judgment. Now, I don't want to dwell too much on the happy stuff because the happy stuff doesn't really motivate people. It is actually the fear of hell that tends to motivate people. So I will be focusing in a lot on a lot of the negative stuff. Okay, number four, um, the let's see, the good will be all together rejoicing in the certainty of their eternal salvation. Now, whenever you're saved, so we kind of have this idea from Protestants that once saved, always saved. Now, that's not true insofar as we are here in uh, living in the world. See, in the world, it's not true because we can always lose our salvation because we have free will and we can choose to commit mortal sin. Um, but when we enter into eternity, when we enter into the kingdom of God, uh, once we are saved, we're always saved. We're assured of our salvation for all of eternity uh, because once we're reunited with Christ in heaven and we're purified of all our impurities, we'll, we will never desire to commit sin ever again because we'll have the greatest good before our eyes. And so there'll be nothing for us to seek after uh, more than Christ himself. 
Number five, unfortunately, the number of the wicked will, uh, is far, far larger than that of the good. That's uh, very important to remember. There are more people in hell than there are in heaven. And at the end of time, there will be more who are uh, among the reprobate more than there are among the just. Uh, that's important to remember and to keep in mind that um, there are few that are saved. The, the road to hell is wide and many people travel upon it. The road to heaven is narrow and few people travel on it. Number six, they recognize what a fearful disgrace it is for them to have their sins made manifest in the presence of all. Uh, at the final judgment, all people will see your sins, especially for it's kind of debated uh, topic whether or not the just will have their sins revealed to all people uh, but for sure we know that the those of the reprobate will have all their sins revealed to everyone everyone will see their sins uh, every single sin they've ever committed will be made public uh, so that itself should be terrifying to you all the secret sins that you think no one sees but our father in heaven sees um, will be made manifest to everyone at the general judgment and they will only add to your torture and to your shame now that concludes the six main points uh, for the um, for the meditation today. So now, if you're watching on Instagram, you will see the concluding meditation and prayer. Uh, for everyone else, I will begin the entirety of the meditation by Father Von Kocham. According to the generally received opinion, the final judgment will be held in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, at no great distance from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This op this opinion rests upon the words of the prophet Joel. I will gather together all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will plead the, with them there. And again, let the nations come into the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all nations round about. That's Joel uh, 3, ch chapter 3, verse 2 and 12. It is not difficult to allege a reason why Christ should hold the final judgment there, for it is the neighborhood of the spot where he suffered, and it is not just that in the same place he would appear as our judge. Mount Olivet, the scene of his agony, was also that of his glorious ascension. It may, however, be objected that the Valley of Jehoshaphat could not contain the millions and millions of human beings who will be gathered together for judgment. But when a spot is indicated as the probable theater of the Last Judgment, it does not necessarily follow that all mankind will be crowded into that narrow space. I do think it's interesting to note that he points out that there are millions of people. And at his time, there were already like 1.6 billion people on the planet. Um, and so the, he recognizes not everyone can fit into the Valley of Jehoshaphat. So maybe the second judgment, the second coming and the general judgment will happen there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone will be packed in there like sardines. Um, so that's just interesting to note. Um, we will now consider in what manner we shall be assembled for the final judgment. If the good and the evil are found together in the graveyards and elsewhere, that will come to pass, which our Lord pred predicted. So shall it be at the end of the world. Uh, the angels shall go out and shall separate the wicked from among the just. And for since the good are laid to rest amongst the wicked, it follows that at the resurrection, they will be found amongst the wicked. Accordingly, after the general resurrection, the holy angels will come and separate the elect from the reprobate. St. Paul, speaking of this, says, For the Lord himself shall come down from heaven with commandment, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the, de and the dead who are in Christ shall rise first. Then, who, then we who are alive, who are left, shall be taken up together with them in the clouds to meet Christ in the, into the air. All the good this is to say will be carried on the clouds with splendor, and great glory by the angels to the place of judgment." Now imagine to thyself what a beautiful sight it will be when the saints with their glorified bodies shining like 
burnished gold in the sunlight will be transported through the air escorted by their guardian angels with what exaltation and rejoicing will that will they pay will they pass on their tri triumphal way we we all now consider how the wicked shall be transported to the valley of jehoshaphat and what will await them there alas their doom is so sorrowful that i can scarcely venture to, to describe it in detail what will these unhappy sinners think what will they say when they see the holy angels taking the elect from the midst from their midst and carrying them with glory and splendor through the air the wise men the wise man gave us the insight into their thoughts when he tells us these seeing it shall be troubled with terrible fear and shall be amazed at the suddenness of the unexpected salvation of the just saying within themselves repenting and groaning for anguish of spirit these are they whom we had sometime in derision and for a parable of reproach we fools esteem their life madness and their end without honor behold how they are numbered among the children of god and their lot is among the saints how it will grieve them to behold those whom they formerly despised so utterly now honored and beloved by the angels of god and conducted by them in glory and triumph to meet christ and they who once made such display of their riches, who despise all their fellow creatures in their arrogant pride, now stand amongst the fallen angels, poor, miserable, condemned. When the angels have escorted all the elect to the valley of Jehoshaphat, they will proceed to drive all the reprobate uh, thither. With the, with the evil spirits, they are mingled with them. They will cry with a loud voice, away with you, away to judgment. The judge of the living and the dead commands you to appear before him. All mankind, every human being who has ever lived upon earth, as well as all the rebellious spirits who were cast out of heaven, will be compelled to appear here before the judgment seat of Christ. Who can attempt to enumerate these countless multitudes? The number of the earth's inhabitants living at this present moment, the time of Father Van Kochem, now it's 7 billion, but... Uh, for his present moment, amounts to 1.4 billion people. This vast multitudes will have disappeared in less than half a century, and another generation, no less numerous, will have taken their place and filled the earth anew. So it will go on and on until the last day. What countless hosts there will be ar arranged before the judgment seat of Christ. The good will be all together, rejoicing in, this, in the certainty of their eternal salvation. They are adorned with glorious apparel and shine like the stars of heaven. They know one another. They greet one another and exchange mutual congratulations respecting their happy lot. Not so the wicked. The good stand on the right side and the left and the and then they upon the left. Unfortunately, the number of the wicked is far, far larger than that of the good. Both before and after the coming of Christ, the prince of darkness held sway over a much greater number of subjects than Christ himself. Alas, my God, what an immense multitude there will be on the left hand. The mourning and misery amongst them will be so unparalleled that the good who are on the right hand would, were it possible, be deeply touched with compassion. For all these countless millions of human beings will pour out their excessive sorrow and anguish and piteous lamentations, awaiting the coming of the Supreme Judge. They stand together apart from the judge, from the just, full of confusion at their own hideousness and especially at their sinfulness now evident to all. 
Yet above and beyond all this misery is the con consternation that prevails on account of the coming of the judge. It is beyond the power of words to express. For now, these unhappy creatures first become fully aware how terrible are the judgments of God, which they during their lifetime heeded so little. Now, for the first time, they recognize what a fearful disgrace it is for them to have their sins made manifest in the presence of all the angels and saints, in the presence of likewise of the devil, devils and, the, and of the lost. Now, for the first time, they are conscious of the awful nature of the sentence they will be passed on them by the judge, whom they have often insolently said as not. These and many other things contribute to imbue them with such unutterable dread of the coming of their judge, that they quake in every limb with terror and almost swoon away with apprehension and alarm. They will, they will say to one another in plaintive tones, Alas, what have we done? How terribly we have deceived ourselves. For the sake of a few and transitory joys of earth, we must undergo an eternity of anguish. What good are all the riches, the, vol the voluptuous uh, pleasures, the pride, the honors of the world to us now. We fools have trifled away celestial and eternal goods for the poor and the salt, the paltry things of earth. Alas, what will become of us when our judge appears? Yea, mountains fall on us and yea, hills cover us for truly it would be less intolerable for us to be crushed under your weight than to stand before the whole world covered with shame and confusion. And behold the wrathful countenance of the just judge. What a piercing cry of anguish these unhappy creatures will utter. They will do their utmost to resist the behest of the angels, but they will struggle in vain. They must obey the command of God's messengers. Together with the evil spirits, the damned will be forcibly driven to the place of judgment. What an awful journey. The air is rent with the cries of rage, the spirits of darkness with diabolical malice and cruelty. Already vent, uh, already vent their, their spite and tormenting and hapless creatures whom sin has made their victims. Hear the shriek, hear the shriek of despair wrung from the wretched beings. Fools that we were, thoughtless fools, whether has the path of transgression led us. Alas, it has brought us to the severe and terrible, severe tribunal of God. Unhappy sinner, whoever art thou that readest this book, do not flatter thyself with the vain hope that this description of the misery of the lost is exa exaggerated. They will complain a thousand times more loudly, and their pain and misery will be, misery will be unutterable. Avail thyself of the short and precious season of thy earthly existence. Do penance. Do now all that thou wouldst desire to have done at the day of judgment. Ask of God grace to amend thy sinful life, in order that the day of Christ's coming may not be a day of unspeakable terror to thee. Listen, O sinner, to the sorrowful lamentations and self-accusations of this poor of these poor creatures. Beware, lest thou too shouldest be of their number. Pray God to preserve you from so shocking a doom and say, Most merciful God, remember at how great a price thou didst purchase me and how much thou didst suffer for me. For the sake of that inestimable price, do not permit me to be lost. Rescue me, number me among the sheep of thy fold. With them I will then praise and magnify thy loving kindness to all eternity. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, amen. May God... 
I acknowledge that by my sinful life, I have deserved to be banished from thy, from thy presence forever. Yet I sincerely repent of my sins and pray thee for the grace of a true conversion so that I may not await thy coming among the number of the lost. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today, I want to talk about the, uh, we're still talking about the judgments right now. Uh, we kind of having to condense it a little bit, so I'm going to talk about, I might skip a few sections of it. If you want to read the entirety of the book, I still recommend getting Father von Kochem's The Four Last Things. It's excellent. Uh, so I still recommend doing that, and uh, we're going to have to truncate the judgment, and uh, next week we'll be doing the meditation on heaven, but I'll try to get as much done as possible. So uh, today, five points to, to cover, and then after that, I will read from Father Von Kochem directly, and we'll uh, discuss that. So number one, the heavens will be open, and the sign of Christ's triumphant victory, the sign of the Holy Cross, will be carried down by a host of angels and exhibited to the whole world. So that's the that's point number one that needs to be recalled. See the uh, that we recognize that there will be a sign at the end of the time that's going to appear in the sky, and that will be the sign of the cross. Um, and it won't just be the, a sign of the cross, like kind of like what we do like that. It's, it's gonna, going to be the actual cross itself. It's going to be the cross that Christ was crucified on. Uh, okay, number two. Although the cross whereupon our Lord suffered is now divided into innumerable little pieces, into particles even, yet by divine power it will once more form a complete whole. Now, this is also important because the... Uh, we see now today, uh, it was true in Father Von Kochem's time, and it's true even more so today. There are so many churches that have pieces of the true cross. They cut off tiny slivers where you, you get the piece and you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, I see the true cross there. They start splitting it up and they spread it to churches all over the world. In fact, my parish, Annunciation in Houston, uh, has a piece of the true cross there. And we uh, and Father Felix there uh, blesses people with the, tri- the, um, the relic of the true cross many uh, times a year. So uh, what it's saying is, all the pieces, just like how in our resurrected bodies, no matter where our bodies have been spread out throughout the world, um, God will unite our bodies together again at the end uh, whenever we are resurrected, no matter how much our bodies have been decayed. And so, too, with the cross, our Lord will bring back together his, cruci- his, uh, his cross uh, to be the sign. And he'll do that um, by way of the angels. Numero three. The angels will carry all the other instruments of the passion. And so you will see uh, first and foremost in the sky, you will see the cross, um, but also all the instruments of the passion, the hammer, the nails, uh, the whips, uh, the rod that was struck, the uh, crown of thorns, all the instruments of uh, our Lord's uh, passion will be brought forth in a procession of uh, relics of our Lord's passion. And that will stir in our hearts such uh, terror and sadness of uh, seeing the instruments of our Lord's pain. And you can also see this kind of prefigurement of this when you look at the uh, the icon of Our Lady Perpetual Help. You'll see in the top two corners the angels carrying the instruments of our uh, Lord's crucifixion. Now, number four, then the bitterest remorse will fill the heart of the wicked. But this remorse, how great and how deep soever it will may be, will be futile because it comes too late. 
Okay, so whenever we see the things that are coming towards us, now this is also, this is incredibly important. When we see the uh, instruments of our Lord's crucifixion, we see the cross coming towards us, we will recognize how awful it was uh, that our sins are what put our Lord on the cross. Now, Father Von Kochum has quite a bit to say about this particular part, and I recommend going and listening to the entirety of it, which you can find at the uh, Catholic Drive Time Facebook page or my personal YouTube channel, uh, Adrian Fonseca. Uh, so you, at this time, it's going to, you're going to stir in your heart this kind of sadness and depression. You're going to feel like you're going to be remorseful, uh, but it's going to be too late. There is no more repentance at this point. Uh, you will not be saved. Um, and then those who are saved already, the just, will also feel the same repentance and same remorse of ever having offended God. Um, but it won't be a a um, depressing kind of feeling. It won't be an abandonment of hope. Uh, instead, it will you will still have sadness, but it won't be the same. Um, the example that Father Von Kochem gives in his meditation is the example of Judas. Judas felt remorse at the end of his life, but instead of uh, repentance, he uh, committed suicide. So this is kind of the, what he kind of compares it to. He also gives the comparison of Cain from uh, the story of Cain and Abel, if you're familiar. Uh, so I recommend going and listening to that. Number five, what thou would uh, what thou would you say if you did perceive that had been the cause of Christ's suffering and had crucified him by your sins? So he's asking you, meditate on what you would say if 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 our Lord appeared to you today, if he came to you and said, "Tell me, how do you feel? What do you think?" But the fact that it is actually your sins that has put me on this cross, that has caused me all this torture. You're the reason that the whips scourged my back bare. You're the reason that the rod struck my head, driving the crown of thorns deeper through my skull. What would you say? What would you think? That, that's the meditation that uh, Father Von Kochem has asked us to uh, make uh, while on this section. So this is where the, uh, this part will end. Um, if you want to hear, I'm going to grab, if you're watching on Instagram, you'll see I'll grab the prayer and move it here. Otherwise, uh, I am about to go into the actual reading of Father Von Kochem's meditations. When all mankind are assembled in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the prediction of our Lord will be fulfilled. Men withering away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the whole earth. For they will be in, in, in such anxiety and terror and anticipation of the approaching judgment that if such a thing were possible, they would faint away. They will look up to, hev to the heavens continually with fear and trembling. And every moment that the coming of the dreaded judge is delayed will serve to increase their apprehension of this advent. At length, the heavens will be opened and the sign of Christ's triumphant victory, the sign of the Holy Cross, will be carried down by a host of angels and exhibited to the whole world. These are our Lord's words in regard to this mystery. The powers of heaven shall be moved and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all tribes on the, of the earth mourn. The Catholic Church teaches us what this sign will be, which is to appear in heaven. The sign of the cross will appear in heaven when the Lord shall come to judgment. All the fathers concur in interpreting this sign, which will be displayed in the heavens as the cross of Christ. 
Although the cross whereupon our Lord suffered is now divided into innumerable little pieces, into particles even, yet by divine power it will once more form a complete whole. It will be carried down from heaven by the angels with solemn pomp, and the angels who bear it will be followed by others, who, as the angelic doctor St. Thomas Aquinas maintains, will carry all the other instruments of the Passion. That is to say, the pillar, the lance, the scourges, the hammer, the iron glove, the dice, the scarlet robe, the white robe, the seamless tunic, the holy uh, winding sheet, the vessel containing myrrh, and all the other instruments that were employed during the Passion. And the object of this will be to, will be to manifest to the whole world how many and manifold were the pains Christ suffered for our sakes." Now, when all mankind behold the Holy Cross and all the other in- sacred instruments of the Passion, shining like the sun at midday, for the cross of Christ will gleam with the light of unexampled brilliance, those who are waiting below will stand in trembling fear and woeful lamentation, for the sight of the Holy Cross and the other instruments of torture will recall to their mind all the grievous pain that our Lord endured. And indeed, it's so in so forcible and vivid a manner that his whole passion will seem to be reenacted before them. Then the bitterest remorse will fill the heart of the wicked. But this remorse, how great and how deep soever it may be, will be futile. It comes too late. This remorse is the compassion, the companion of despair. In their anguish of soul and their de- in their despair, they will exclaim with Cain, the fratricide. My iniquity is greater than I may deserve pardon. Or with Judas, who betrayed his Lord and Master, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. Yet all the, whole, all the lost will concur in exclaiming, Alas, we have sinned in betraying innocent blood. We have tortured, we have crucified, we have put the Son of God to death by our sins. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, for they will perceive how grievously they have offended against God. But the cries of mourning and despair prevailing everywhere everywhere will be in vain. What will the unfortunate heathen say who has never heard, never known anything about Christ's passion? They will bitterly bewail and lament their ignorance, saying, Alas, we unhappy ones, had we but known this, we should have never come to this misery. Had we but known that the great and infinite God did and suffered so much for us, how grateful we should have been to him, how willingly we would have served him. We were deluded by our false gods. We saw in them no virtues, only vile and vicious deeds. Against the prompting of conscience, we imitated their vices, and hence we are damned. We cannot complain or think ourselves wrong by the holy and just God, because we are amongst the reprobate. If only we had hearkened to the voice of our conscience, this would not have been our fate. But those who save... But those who, who but the but what will those say who put Christ to death? Pilate, Caiaphas, Ananias, the high priest, as well as the Jews who cried, Crucify him, and his blood be upon us and upon our children, and all who took part in the cruel, atrocious crime of crucifying their God. Will at the sight of the sacred instruments of the passion shriek aloud in despair and desire to be annihilated. Exercated and cursed even by the damned, they will stand there branded as deicides, objects of abhorrence to the whole world. It is not my intention to discuss what bad Christians who have blasphemed the Son of God by word or deed will feel at that time. 
For brevity's sake, I leave thee, reader, to medita- meditate, it upon, meditate upon it for thyself. Only one thing I would ask of thee. Reflect upon this. What thou wouldest say, what thou wouldest most deeply regret if thou wert amongst the number of the damned, and didst then perceive that thou hadst been the cause of Christ's sufferings, and hadst crucified him by thy sins. Couldst thou now feel in thy heart something of the contrition which would then pierce thy soul? Assuredly thou wouldst never again, for the remainder of thy life, commit any heinous sin. Couldst thou now mourn over the sufferings of Christ with expressions of such poignant sorrow as would then rise to thy lips? Thou wouldst infallibly obtain the remission of thy sins. Wherefore, frequently adore the crucified Savior. Call to mind his sufferings for thy sake and recite the following prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O faithful Redeemer of the world, who didst endure such unspeakable sufferings for me, a miserable sinner. I pray thee not I pray thee let not thy bitter passion in thy death upon the cross be unavailing for me impress the remembrance of them deeply upon my heart that I may have ne- that I may have them ever before my mind and may avoid sin which was the cause of thy suffering thus when thy cross shall appear bright and shining in the heavens on the day of judgment may not be to me a sign of damnation but of salvation a sign of thy mercy and of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today we begin uh, the two-part episode on the Last Judgment. And so I'm going to do uh, the rest, all the rest of the Last Judgment meditations by Father Von Kochem today and tomorrow. So it's eight parts in two days. So today we're going to do four parts, and then uh, we'll do, then we'll move on to talking about hell, and then of course we'll end with heaven. If you want to see the whole video, obviously go to YouTube, uh, but here we'll try to do as fast as possible. We'll see how it goes. Um, Number one, uh, well, I guess is number six. Number six, uh, on the advent of the judge. And so St. Augustine says, What will become of us on that dreadful day, the day of judgment, when the Lord shall descend with his angels, with the sound of trumpets, and the whole earth shall tremble with fear? Now, this is important because we see how people uh, throughout the Old Testament and throughout Scripture, we see that, uh, that whenever an angel appears, everyone is terrified. People are trembling, uh, people fall down on their faces, and people are terrified of angels whenever they appear. How much more will they be terrifying when our Lord comes in his glory to judge us? If that's how much we fear the angels whenever they appear, how much more when we see the glory of God uh, at the last judgment? And this is even more clear whenever we look at like Mount Tabor, for instance, when Moses uh, ascends Mount Tabor, he comes down and his face is glowing that he has to wear a veil over his face. And he wasn't even allowed to look at the face of God himself. He had to look at his backside. Um, and so how much more will it be whenever we see the glory of God, the glory of the sun coming down for the judgment? Uh, here is the prayer that we had that Father Von Kochum had for this section on the advent of the judge. O God, almighty judge of all men, thou wilt descend from heaven at the last day with the great power and majesty to act in thy character of judge in the thought of thy coming causes me to quake with fear. Inspire me now, I beseech thee, with, sta- with salutary fear, so that I may avoid sin and may not merit to be crushed by thy just anger. Amen. Number seven, or and point number two, on the manner in which Christ will take his place on the judgment seat. 
Now, St. John Chrysostom corroborates the statement of St. Augustine saying, Everyone will then be filled with astonishment, with apprehension, with terror, for even the angels will be so afraid. Now, this is the point that he's making. He's making the point that on the judgment day, whenever our Lord comes to judge us, we will be so terrified. Even the angels who have never sinned will be terrified at the judgment whenever our Lord looks upon us uh, with judgment. That it will be so terrifying and so awestrucking. Even the angels will be awestruck, will be terrified, will be fear and trembling. Um, and so the, even further it will be for us, for the sinners, even the just will be terrified. It goes on to say, how solemn and how sublime a scene will then be enacted. Oh my God, when all the millions and thousands of millions of angels together with the blessed invisible form will prostrate themselves upon the ground and the evil spirits with their unhappy victims and all the damned will be forced against their will to adore Christ and acknowledge him as their God and judge. These wretched creatures will fall on their knees and bend their heads down to the earth, not daring to raise their eyes, lest they should encounter the angry glance of their judge. They will lament and bewail, filled with unutterable consternation and dismay. Gladly would they have the earth open and swallow them up. Nay, they would, if it were possible, cast themselves down into a bottomless abyss rather than suffer such humiliation." He talks about how at the judgment seat, when all the angels are surrounded, all the saints are surrounded, and you are judged and your deepest sins are revealed to all mankind, you will be so humiliated. And if you are am uh, among the damned, it'll be even worse. You'd, you would willingly cast yourself back into hell rather than be at the judgment seat of God. Uh, this, is, this should inspire great fear in us. Uh, so then I'll close out in this section on a prayer from Father Von Kochem. Then we'll move on to the next section. O most just judge, look down, I beseech thee, from thy throne in heaven upon me, a poor sinner. And for the sake of thine infinite compassion, be merciful to me in the day of final judgment. I know that I shall not be able to stand in that dread day, but by thy just sentence I shall be condemned to eternal damnation. Yet I know also that if a sinner employs mercy for thy for uh, mercy of thee in the time of grace, it will not be denied him. Therefore I entreat thee with deep humility and contrition, through thy bitter passion, that thou wouldst pardon my sins and pass a lenient sentence upon me in the day of judgment. Amen. Uh, the next point, on the reasons why Christ appeared on the day of final judgment will be terrible and on the heinousness of mortal sin. Now, what basically this point is trying to say is that, there, that the offenses against Christ will be so great that his justice uh, will, be, will be great as well, will be terrifying. Uh, this is important to note because we kind of have this idea of Christ, that he's this soft, loving person, very kind and not judgmental, that uh, does not condemn. This is kind of the idea that we have of the, of the Son. Yet we know that this time of of forgiveness, of mercy will come to an end because right now we're living in a time of mercy where God presents himself in the blessed sacraments, where he presents himself in the incarnation. But at the judgment seat, he will present himself in glory. And so at that point, there is no more mercy. It is only justice. And so and why is this? It's because of our great sins and because we have offended an infinite God and we deserve an infinite punishment for it. Uh, now, the meditation on this from Father Von Kochem really struck me in the heart, so I might uh, do a shorter video just reading that later, because that, this particular part really struck me, and I wanted to talk about it, but not enough time here. So I'm going to go on to read. 
Well then to us poor sinners, then for the first time we shall appreciate aright what we have done and how deeply we have offended God by our grievous sins. The wrath of God is so boundless that neither the mother of God nor all the angels and saints have any power to diminish or restrain it. It will turn with holy zeal and mete out to every man his deserts with rigorous justice. This is a terrifying thought. That the, that the justice of God will be so great that nothing, no one will be able to restrain him from exercising his justice uh, to us. Now, here's the prayer that the Father will coach him in, in this regard. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Most just judge of the living and the dead, I acknowledge before thee that I have sinned often and grievously. I have forsaken my Father in heaven. I have crucified thee, my Redeemer. I have grieved the Holy Spirit and trifled away his grace. I have done this by the countless sins I have committed in thought, word, and deed. Through my transgressions, I have incurred the penalty of everlasting death. But since thou willest not the death of the sinner, but rather that he should do penance and live, let me experience here the effect of thy justice, which is ever wedded to mercy. All the trials that thou sendest me in this life, I will thankfully receive from thy hand and kiss the rod whereby thou dost chastise me with paternal severity, in order that at the day of judgment I may find mercy, and thou mayest grant me a place in the ranks of thine elect. Amen. The fourth point, on the manner in which the final judgment will be commenced. So this is the last point for this part. Tomorrow we'll be released the second part on the uh, next four parts of the last judgment, and then we'll move on to hell. Uh, happy days. And since at every tribunal an accuser must be present to bring charges against an individual who is to be judged, so at this general judgment the angels and the devils will be the accusers of mankind. So he's talking about here, this is another good point to read later on. I won't go back and read this one, but I highly recommend you go and read it yourself. It's excellent. Father Von Kochem talks about how at our judgment, what will it be like? And he talks about how the angels and the demons will come to our judgment seat and they will accuse us of sins. And we will have to give an account for every single thing we've done. Now I'm going to read to you what Father Von Kochem talks about of his idea of how that will happen, how that will play out. Um, it's very striking. St. Michael will first stand forth and say, Most just judge, I bring an accusation against these millions of sinners who defiled the earth to such an extent by their misdeeds that thou in thy holy indignation did see fit to purify it by fire. I call upon thee now to punish these transgressors according to thy justice. Then Lucifer, speaking in the name of all the evil spirits, will raise his voice with a roar like that of a lion and accuse all mankind in a body. Most just judge of the living and the dead, I bring a charge against all the humans being assembled here, since it seemed right to thy stern justice to banish me and all the angels who joined with me from heaven on account of one single sin, and to condemn us to everlasting damnation. It is only fair that thou shouldest include all mankind in the same condemnation with myself, and cast all men here present into the abyss of hell. For there is not one single individual here who has not committed sin and transgressed thy law. Now, this is incredibly striking as well because nothing Lucifer has said here is false. Everything he said here is true. See, we have sinned against God and Satan was cast down from hell for one sin. Yet we sin constantly. Even the just man sins seven times a day. 
So how much more do we deserve hell? We must get right with God now when we have a chance because at our last judgment, there will be no chances. There will be no forgiveness of sins. At that point, it'll only be the justice and both St. Michael and Lucifer will be accusing us of our sins. Now here's the prayer of, of uh, that Father Von Kochem composed. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Most bountiful Jesus, in the name of all the saints and elect, whom thou dost destine to the enjoyment of eternal felicity, I beseech thee of thine infinite loving kindness that I may stand amongst the, thy saints in the day of judgment. I am indeed unworthy of this favor, but for the greater honor and praise that will be ascribed to thee, I pray thee, let thy boundless mercy be manifested towards me. Cast me not away, poor sinner that I am, and I entreat you, saints of God, to help me to attain your blessed company. I know that your intercession is powerful enough with God to induce him to look upon me with compassion and be infinitely merciful to me in his judgment of my life. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, feel free to share this and uh, with others, anyone who you think will find this uh, interesting or helpful or might even save their soul. Uh, whenever we get to the meditation on hell, that will be um, quite fr frightful, uh, but it'll be, it's, I personally think it's the best meditation. And they say that those who meditate on hell will be prevented from committing mortal sin. Uh, when you meditate upon these great punishments that are our just desserts, it is, it is quite sobering. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is the last part on the segment on judgment. So tomorrow we'll be working on hell. So we're talking about hell now. So things get serious. So now is the last four parts are going to be condensed. So I highly recommend going and get Father Von Kochem's book on the four last things. But I'll jump right into it so we can get this all done in less than 10 minutes. All right. So number five. On the length of time that the final judgment will last, how long will the duration of the last judgment be? Well, it's actually not known how long the judgment will be, but according to Father, Father Von Kochem, uh, he claims that uh, according to the church fathers and according to the theologians throughout the church history, that we know that the length of time in which the duration of judgment will last will be a long time. We don't know how long, but we know it will not be at an instant because it's also a theological opinion that the judgment will happen instantly and then, uh, then you'll be sentenced to heaven or hell. But according to Father Von Kochem and the church fathers and the saints, it will actually be a length of time that it would happen. And he quotes here, we don't, we don't really know, but likely the final judgment will stretch over a considerable period of time. And hence we have all the more reason to tremble at the prospect of it and earnestly pray God that on that great day, he will not overwhelm, overwhelm us with, with shame and confusion, but will grant us a share in his joy and glory. St. Thomas Aquinas says, quote, the sinner does not only deserve pain, he deserves disgrace and ignominy, ignominy, for this is a punishment to which human beings only can be subjected. The lower animals can be chastised and put to death, but they cannot know what it is to suffer shame and contempt. This accounts for the fact that anyone who has a single spark of self-respect will rather suffer the heaviest punishment in secret than be exposed to public disgrace. So he's talking about how 
at our judgment, it will be a long time and it'll be public because it will, we will be shamed in the last judgment. And it is fitting that we are shamed because we are an incarnational faith, because we have rationality that to suffer pains, uh, physical pains is one thing, but to suffer shame is an entirely different thing. And so he, St. Thomas and Father Von Kochem believe that it will be a long time and will be shamed in front of all people, both saints, uh, the damned, the demons, and the angels will all be witnessing to our judgment. Now, number six, or rather number 11, on the, public, on the publication of the sentence passed upon the good and the bad. So he talks here about the about how it works whenever we are sentenced to heaven and hell. I'll read from him what he says here. He says, to the just who suffered much on the narrow path to the kingdom of heaven, it will be said to them, but now the time of suffering is over and the time of happiness begins. Your sorrow shall be turned into joy, eternal joy, which no man can take from you. Now, this is important to know because this is, will be said to the just who walked on the narrow path, who has reached the kingdom of heaven. They will be told, praise be to Jesus Christ, my good and faithful servant. Welcome into the kingdom prepared to you from all eternity. Now, this is a great news, but we often don't are not motivated by positive things. And so the meditation on the damned, I find much more striking. And I'll read it here. Quote, the damned after judgment is bestowed upon them will say, oh, woe betide us. Oh, accursed and miserable that we are. We must now be banished from the presence of God and of the saints to all eternity. We must burn forever and ever with the devils in the fires of hell. Depart into the everlasting fire. Oh, what an awful sentence from the lips of our judge. Everlasting burning, everlasting torment, no hope of rescue. Woe betide us, wretched sinners. Woe betide us. Woe betide us. Oh, most. And then so we go on. To uh, so this is the this is the reaction of the souls that are condemned. They will cry out for mercy, but they will receive none. Um, here is the prayer that Father von Kochem composed here in regards to this meditation. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O most merciful God, Thou hast told us by the lips of Thy prophet. In an acceptable time, I will hear thee, and in the day of salvation, I will help thee. Behold, now is a day of salvation, wherefore I call upon thee with the utmost confidence. And from the bottom of my heart, I beseech thee that thou wouldest grant me grace and help in proportion to my necessities, that I may not finally be cast away. For the dead praise thee not, O Lord, neither those that go down into hell, but the living who live in thy presence will extol thy holy name forever and ever. Amen. The next section is on how the damned will ask in vain for mercy, but will be cast down into hell. So the time for mercy is now. At the last judgment, we can no longer ask for mercy. So ask mercy for now. Go to confession. Repent of your sins because the time is short in which we have time for God's mercy. And uh, I'll read here from what Father Von Kochem says. When the lost souls perceive that there is no remnant of hope, that their terrible sentence of condemnation may be mitigated, they will in their despair pour out horrible imprecations. Cursed be the parent 
who gave us birth. Cursed be all those who led us into sin. Cursed be all men who have lived with us upon this earth. Cursed be he who created us. Cursed be the blood of Christ, wherewith we were redeemed. Cursed be all the saints of God. Now, this is very powerful statement that the uh, that the damned will say whenever they realize that all hope is lost. There is no more time for mercy. There's no more repentance. They will curse the name of God himself. And how will the just judge respond? Now, this is the words that Father Von Kochem says will be on the lips of our Savior whenever this happens. What will the divine judge do when he hears them revile God in this shocking manner? When he himself, standing before the Jewish council, acknowledged that he was the son of God, the high priest Caiaphas rent his garments and cried with a loud voice, He hath blasphemed. Now you have heard the blasphemy. What think you? And the people answering said, He is worthy of death. The same scene will take place now. Only it will be a thousand foes more terrible. When Christ hears these blasphemes, he will exclaim in holy indignation, They have blasphemed God. They have cursed me and my saints. You have heard it yourselves. Now, what think you? Thereupon all the angels and saints will answer, They are worthy of eternal death of the everlasting pains of hell away with them to the place of torment away with them into everlasting fire reflect upon this o reader reflect upon it often and do not fritter away thy life in idle pleasures but look to it that thou save thy soul call upon god with all the fervor of thy heart and beg him to grant thee a favorable sentence in the day of final judgment saying most just God and judge of all men, many times and grievously I have offended thee, and I have not to expect from thy justice but severe chastisement. Yet I now confess my misdeeds, I repent of them and abhor them, and I firmly propose from this time forth to be ever faithful to, unto thee. Wherefore I beseech thee mercifully to pardon my sins, in order that I may escape eternal death and may attain everlasting felicity. Amen. Now, I highly recommend going and reading this chapter specifically. I skipped a ton of stuff here on the meditation on being cast down into the abyss of hell to have the millstone tied around your neck and cast down not into the depths of the sea, but into the depths of hell. Now, this is very important. I highly recommend going and reading it. And I will go on to number 12, number 13. How the blessed will go up into heaven after the judgment. Now, this I will keep as a short meditation because, like I said before, people are much less motivated on the uh, glorious things of heaven and much more motivated on the terrifying things of hell. So, quickly, I will go over a meditation on the glories of the entering into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but if you want to go read the full length of it, I highly recommend going and doing so. But here, the meditation is on the choirs of angels that bring up the elect. Now, it talks about the choir of angels. See, there's different choirs of angels. You have angels, archangels, thrones, dominions, principalities. Uh, don't, uh, I'm forgetting some uh, seraphim, cherubim, and I'm uh, trying to think powers, uh, principalities. I might have said that already. But all the different choirs of angels will bring up the glorious saints into heaven. At first, it said that the angels, the lowest form, which are angels, will bring up the infants that were baptized and died in infancy, and they'll bring up those who converted on their deathbed. The archangels will then bring up the married people and those who have uh, lived uh, a holy life 
as a layperson, and then so forth. You'll have the higher ups bringing up until you reach the uh, highest, which will be the apostles and those who followed Christ as his disciples while he was alive. And so these uh, you'll see the rankings there uh, in the Father von Kochem's text, and I'll conclude uh, with his meditation here. Quote. Dost thou not desire, O pious Christian, to dwell with the redeemed and enjoy the unspeakable delights of the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem? Assuredly, thou dost desire it. We, all of us, have within us a powerful impulse, an ardent longing for happiness and enjoyment. O seek not after this that happiness. Strive not to secure the enjoyment for which thy soul thirst in the valley of tears. Lift up thine eyes to the land that is above. Let that be thy goal. And one day thou shalt ascend upon, up on high with jubilant songs. God grant to thee and to me, reader, that by his grace, this happy lot may be our portion. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, Spiritui Sancto, sicura et in principio, nunc et semper, et in saecula, saeculorum. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.